Welcome to a special episode of the New Thinking for a New World podcast series focused on leadership. Today's world is short of a lot of things, hope, peace, prosperity. But what it lacks most is dynamic, innovative, global, values-based leadership. If we can find or nurture the right leaders, the rest will follow. Listen as two great leaders, oceanographer Sylvia Earle and diplomat Ashok Murpuri, discuss how great leaders can change everything. Now, Sylvia, you will not, not remember this, but we met about two years ago in Washington, D.C. at the Environmental Film Festival, where your movie was featured, Mission Blue, and it was a wonderful hit. And so it's really a pleasure for me to be able to interview you and first congratulate you on this leadership award that Talberg has given to you. Now, for the audience, you know, many of you may have heard of Sylvia Earle, but, you know, I could go through the accolades. I could go through the prizes that she has received. Uh, she, I am the Singapore ambassador, but she's the ambassador of the ocean. That's the term that's been given to her. The New Yorker called her her deepness. And she's a pioneering oceanographer, an explorer, and she's really gotten into ocean conservation for a very, very long time. And, you know, I wanted to take you back, Sylvia, because in all many of the interviews you speak about the first time you encountered the water on the Jersey Shore and how that was so important and fundamental with to you, but also the role that your mother played because she let you go back in. Tell us a little bit about that. Thank you. Most mothers, perhaps seeing their beloved daughter get tumbled around by a wave, would rush in, grab them, and never let them go back in the water again. <laughs> but I think it's because I emerged with a big smile on my face that she let me go back in, and I've been going back in ever since. <laughs> and, and that's such an important part, I think, of people growing up. As you introduce young people to the issues of the environment, how do we keep them coming back in? Because it can be very daunting. It can be frightening. You know, when you speak about the challenges of preserving the oceans, when you speak of the challenges of climate change, these are such daunting things. And uh, sort of a young teenager, a young graduate, how do you get them to go back in and then see the value and benefit that it comes? When you fall down, you know, you make mistakes, and that's how you learn. If, you, if everything's always smooth and you never encounter any problems ever, I think you, you you don't develop the courage to tackle whatever comes your way. So you learn from your <laughs> falling down. You learn from getting knocked over by a wave and not letting that keep you down. So I think my having parents who are always had my back, basically, knowing that if I did fail, it wasn't the end of the world, that I, there was, somebody cared. And I tried to convey that to my own children, and now my, I have four grandsons, to let them know, whatever happens, it's okay, it's all right, there's, there's tomorrow, we can get over this. So you may have thrown your daughter into the water because she's now a close collaborator of yours to start her own sort of career <laughs> in this. Yes, she is fearless. Well, you know, being fearless is kind of okay, but you need to have that little tinge of terror, knowing that there are things out there that you have to be ready to take on, whatever they might be, the unknown. 
always the unknown. You know, you you've achieved so much, and today you can look back and speak about everything you achieved. But when you started, you faced a lot more hurdles than most people. You had glass ceilings. People doubted your ability as a woman to do many of the things that you did do. You know, when you when you sort of balance out your successes and your failures, how do you get that balance? How did you sort of keep breaking through these barriers uh, in order to achieve where you where you are today? Well, I find myself, I think I always have, just looking around and seeing that there are people who have greater obstacles than I do. You know, wherever whatever you do, you're too tall, you're too short, you're too thin, you're too fat. You, have, you speak the wrong language or you do this. There are lots of excuses why you can't do something. But if there's something you really want to do, you figure out, how do I get from here to there? And you just keep working at it until no matter <laughs> what the supposed obstacles are, you just find a way. And you may not be able to get to exactly where you want to go, but you can get closer if you keep trying. I was not allowed to be the chief scientist on expeditions because why? I wasn't a guy. It's just the idea that women <laughs> could lead expeditions back in the 60s and even into the 70s was, was, was hard for culture to accept. But when you just say, I'm going to do my best, sooner or later you... People see that you can do what it is you know you can do. And the door opens a little bit and you just walk through. Do you know leaders that sound like these? Leaders, young or old, who are changing the world. Who are not content with what is and are willing to work for what could be. If so, nominate them for the Talberg SNF Eliasson Global Leadership Prize at talbergprize.org. That's T-A-L-L-B-E-R-G prize.org. Well, I'm, I'm very pleased that in this leadership prize, two of the three winners are women. And yep. as the jury went through the nominees, we had a significant number of female nominees, many of whom were very, very qualified. But I am pleased that sort of the numbers are changing. Let me give you a little bit of perspective of the jury when we discussed your nomination, Sylvia, because you're obviously qualified. You deserve every award we can get, give you. But we were looking for leadership and having achieved so much. And you know, for the audience, again, Sylvia is not shy to hide her age. Uh, she turned 85 a few months ago. She keeps repeating that in every interview. So I, I don't feel bad sort of mentioning her age in this. But you've achieved so much. You, we wanted to see what you can do next. And try oh, wow. and just because it's, it's sort of, yeah, so what, what comes next? Well, realistically, there, you know, I, I do take into account that life is finite. And yet I can still get out there and do things that I have been doing for the last, <laughs> whatever, few decades. So do I plan to keep going on expeditions? Yes. Am I still diving? Yes. Do I still want to build little submarines? and take people along to show what it's like out in the ocean? Yes. <laughs> Do I want to use the past as prelude and 
just keep building toward the objectives that I could not have imagined 20 years ago or even 10 years ago. Yes, it's a, it's a process. And, and I can't imagine not continuing doing everything I can for as long as I can to not look back, but to continue to say, okay, what's next? Now what? We've got all these tools in the box. How do we use them to get to a better place? And how do I share the view with as many people as I can? I realize I've been privileged to spend time underwater and to see things others have not. To keep it to myself and not do everything I can to get others to see what I see, know to the extent that I can, <laughs> whatever is useful and what I know. So by writing, by speaking, by engaging as many people as I can to go out and experience the ocean, to look closely, to look carefully, to connect the dots, to realize that Earth is a biogeochemical miracle and that our highest priority must be to keep the planet safe because if we don't nothing else is going to matter we have to understand that our life support system earth is is changing because of what we're doing to it and knowing what we know we have the power the superpower of being able to make decisions that will take us to a better place with the air, the water, the fabric of life. And if people could see how important the natural world is to everything else, with even in their own backyard, even in their personal day-to-day decisions, in fact, it's what it is going to take. Individuals making everyday decisions times 7 billion that will take us either to a continued decline or recovery and then <laughs> that that word that everybody talks about, sustainable future, that we can learn to live within our means, the planet, the environment, that only has so much to give. We've taken so much for so long. Good news is we can we have the evidence. We have the power of knowing. We get enough people to be tuned in, to be aware of the reality. We can achieve a sustainable partnership relationship with nature and then everything else we care about can follow if we have a secure life support system we don't have it now but we can get there well that's an optimistic message but do you feel a new urgency there was an interview you gave last year to a newspaper in singapore where you said maybe the next 10 years will shape the next 10,000. and in terms of your work how do you see this new urgency coming in I'm not alone. The climate scientists are saying we are right here with carbon dioxide, methane, and nitrous oxide, all the things that are driving the the warming of the planet with all of the things that follow from that. We have time, but not a lot, to make this shift. And I'm encouraged because I see the World Economic Forum, for example, taking the environment seriously. Not as seriously as they should, because the economy depends on a sound environment. You can't have an economy if you, you can't breathe. If, if it's, you know, if the world is, the natural world is unraveling, and it is, then that's, we, we've got to fix that. We have to, because you don't have 
health or security or prosperity if 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 you're worried about where you're going to, about food about uh, air about all the things that keep us alive you know i heard president obama once say that our highest priority must be to keep the world safe for our children. Well, he was thinking guns and things. <laughs> but the message, we must keep the world safe for our children. It means, okay, we got all the day-to-day -day things, all the things people care about. But we have to have a world that works in our favor. We have had it for more or less 10,000 years. I mean, things go up and down over long periods of time, but it's our impact on these natural cycles that we have control over. And yes, I'm a, I am cautiously optimistic, but it starts with knowing. You can't care if you don't know. Which is why I applaud the work that you do in getting everything out in movies, in interviews, in books, to make sure that more and more people know this. I mean, that is a sort of different kind of leadership to put this right square in the center of the way people deal with it. Can you, we have a time for a last question. Can you finish off a little bit with sort of this bigger ecosystem that you always speak about? How do you see it all coming together? The word biogeochemistry should be on the lips of everyone everywhere. Starting when you're little kids, you learn your letters, you learn your numbers. Can we not take what the children of today and grown-ups too should know that the superpower of seeing what could not be seen 50, 100, any time in the past years ago, that, that we have the gift of knowledge. Not everybody has this shared equally, but we need a critical number to realize that Earth is this blue miracle and it's in trouble. And we have to pull together. The pandemic of 2020 pulls us together, makes us realize we're all vulnerable. But it's climate. It's the fabric of life that makes us also vulnerable if we don't take care of it. So the roadmap forward, <laughs> every day, think about what you can do to leave, make the world a better place by your personal actions and joining with others to use your the mighty powers of understanding that this moment in time, this moment, this time, 2020, 2021, right now, we have a bit of time to reverse the decline and come to this point of recovery and stability. It is within our grasp. We need everyone to get on board. I want to be a part of the action as much as, as long as I can. Well, thank you, Sylvia, Dr. Earl. Congratulations again on the Leadership Prize. And it's been such a pleasure speaking to you. Thank you for listening. Now it's your turn. Tell us what you think. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram, or you can subscribe to our newsletter at talbergprize.org. Thanks again, and most importantly, don't forget to nominate a leader whose work deserves to be recognised and imitated. This podcast brought to you through the generous support of SNF, the Stavros Nyarkos Foundation.